It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The 2020 season did not quite go as planned for Reds fans as the playoffs ended abruptly in the wild card round. Now the Reds are left to pick up the pieces during the offseason and fix a lineup that was the worst in Major League Baseball. How are they going to do it? What are they going to do? Rumors, transactions, news, all here on the Locked On Reds podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Carr. Let's go. What's up, Reds fans, and welcome in to the Locked On Reds podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today on today's show. Going to conclude my conversation with Stephen Offenbaker from the Reds Alert podcast. Yesterday, we talked about the Reds trade of Rice Iglesias and the non-tendering of Archie Bradley and a couple other guys and what that means for the state of the team moving forward. We even looked at a couple of positives from what these moves might signal. Today, going to continue that conversation, going to continue to look at what the Reds could look like, especially if they make a key move. Also got some uh, conversation about where Major League Baseball stands as a sport based on the whole idea of them holding back the designated hitter and what this might mean for the collective bargaining agreement that's coming up in a year or so. I I don't believe it looks good. Neither does Steve. We're going to talk about that more on today's podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Make sure that you're subscribed on whatever platform you're currently listening to. Follow me on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three Fs and follow the show at Lockdown Reds and save the Lockdown Reds line number into your phone for calls and texts at 513 549-0159. All right. Without further ado, here is the conclusion of my chat with Stephen Offenbaker. And the one thing, this is the biggest hangup, at least the detail from the Iglesias trade per se. Why did they include cash? That is a hasty move. That is a we had to get this done now move. I'm confused by it. No, no. I don't know that I see it that way. I mean, looking at it on paper, Rysel Iglesias makes 10 times what Ramirez makes. Right. So I can see that that needed to be balanced out a little bit. Um, my my guess is that we, we learn how much cash went to Los Angeles. It's probably a couple million dollars. It's not half. It's going to be it's going to be a little bit of money, but not half. Uh, and that was just what had to be done to get the deal done, I think. Uh, interesting you bring up uh, Hoffman because if you look at Hoffman and you look at Ramirez, do you do you see what the thing they have in common is? Spinning. Then spinning. Hoffman's got neither, a lot of spinning. Neither spin, one of them is afraid to throw their curveball. Yeah. And I really do believe that this is that new, let's identify guys that we feel like we can up their spin rate you know this is the houston astros model is really what it is it's go out and find pitchers that we believe have a higher ceiling if we teach them to do a few things differently with their pitches that they're already using and uh 
have improved success. I think that's the model that the Reds are trying to copy right now. I think they're looking for high spin guys that they feel like they can tweak a little bit and and elevate them to a level that makes them successful major league pitchers. I will say, I mean, that does intrigue me in a very positive way. And I've been really realistic here these last couple of podcast episodes, which is weird for me. I like to be Mr. Optimistic and Captain Positivity and look at the bright side of things and stuff. But this, it's just, you have to be real when you're looking at this right now where the Reds are because the Reds are not in a a a bubble of positivity where everything is uh, candy and rainbows and unicorns and... <sighs> I don't know, whatever. That's a terrible analogy. But yeah, you get it. Right now, though, looking at the idea, it seems like they found a niche, the spin rate. And if they get those guys that they feel confident that they can continue their development in that area, that's one thing that Kyle Bodie is super confident in is that he can add velocity. So they're not going for guys that already have velocity. They're going for guys that know how to pitch a breaking ball. And then they're going to be like, you know what, if we want to add velocity to your fastball, that's great, but we're going to make sure that you can control it first. So that right there has me at least a little bit stepping back from the ledge that we have the right guys in place to develop the guys that we have. And when you look at the fact that the Reds saved depending on how much cash they sent to L.A., somewhere probably around $12 million between Rice Iglesias and Archie Bradley. Archie Bradley was supposed to make around 5 to $5.5 million through arbitration. So that's something to say, okay, if you feel strongly enough in your coaches to cut that money off the books and still think that you can contend, that's great. The only problem is you've lost the dedication of the fan base by just automatically putting you in the playoffs. Because right now, I think, kind of like you said, it'd be a little bit silly to say that the Reds are playoff bound at this moment. They've got to make some moves still to get there. And my question to you is, if there is... A one big move. And I, I I think we both probably don't think there is. But if there was a one big move to get them close, what would that be? D.D. Gregarious. Okay. They I mean, need a shortstop. He, he hits if, the cover. If Kyle off. Farmer is our opening day shortstop, then <laughs> we're done. We're, yeah. The season's over before it started. Uh, you know, they brought Kyle Farmer back on a one-year deal that uh, I don't even think is guaranteed. I think that it's a, a, a minor league uh, invite with a major league option or something. Um, so if that's your guy, if that's who's out there in Cincinnati when the season starts, the season's over. Uh, I think they go out and get a shortstop, you know. Off the books now is Trevor Bauer's money. He's not coming back. Off the books now is Rysel Iglesias' money. Gone. Off the books is Archie Bradley's money. Gone. Uh, Kurt Casale's two, three million dollars is off the books. I mean, there have been some significant cuts already. So if you give Didi a two-year deal at maybe I don't know what ten million per year, Excellent. is that high? Maybe somewhere in that neighborhood, two-year deal gives you time to find out if Jose Garcia is real or not. And and in the meantime, you have a bona fide, everyday major league shortstop on your roster. Um, That's the one big move. Because I think right now, barring that, the the everyday roster is set. The starting lineup is set. The, The 
the pitching side of things, the the rotation is set unless they trade Sonny Gray. The bullpen now has a couple openings that will probably be filled from within. Mm-hmm. So shortstop is really it where you've got to go out and find somebody. So with that, we'll play make-believe that Didi Gregorius is a red. He's a red. How's the lineup shake out? Because I, I'd love to see Shogo leading off. If you've got Didi, you've got Nick Castellanos, you've got Mike Mustakas, Eugenio Suarez, somewhere two through four or five. I don't remember how four. I think I said four. So two through five. And then you've got a pretty decent back half of the lineup as well. Supposing, and I'll say it again, supposing they play toward the back of their baseball card. That's not a terrible lineup. But I, it's I not, just, but, but they David Bell is way too spastic to have a, a lineup <laughs> like that. I mean, yeah. it'll be it'll be righty lefty matchups. But yes, should Shogo see some laid off time? Yeah, I'll see Shogo up there. I I can see it going Shogo, Vado, Castellanos, Suarez, Moose, Senzel. Depending on what handed your pitcher is, things juggle. Um, I feel like Tyler Stevenson is going to be on this team. If he's on this team, as I said, he needs to play. So that's your eight-hole guy. You put him way down at the bottom and let him find his way. Uh, you know, Winker's got to be in there somewhere for the most part. We're going to have a DH. I, I, it's, if we have a DH, it changes everything. Because if we have a DH, then you've got Winker in there, and he needs to be batting up somewhere around three, four, five. So um, it's still a formidable lineup. if. If there's a DH, it's still a formidable lineup if David Bell can find a way to get all these people in as the season progresses, which I think he can. So um, last year, you know, we we spent so much time talking about get the pitching and then the hitting didn't come along for the ride. If these guys hit over a 162 game season, even with the loss of Bauer, even with the loss of Bradley and Iglesias, this team can still compete in the central. So it's not it's not really a total case of woe is me. I, I don't I don't have any illusions of sweeping the Dodgers in the postseason, but there can be some enjoyable, relevant Reds baseball throughout the next season as long as the fire sale is not on. Because if the fire sale is on, if this is truly a rebuild, if it's truly a we're going to trade everybody away, then trade everybody away. Get as many prospects as you can. There needs to be nobody left when this is done but Joey Votto. Trade them all. Yeah. yeah because I, I, if you only trade two, three of them, then we're right back where we started 2015 All-Star time, where we've got this team that has one or two good guys on it. It's half-assed assembled, and it can't win a baseball game. I I agree. And actually, you know, talking the way that you did, that kind of that does pull me back from the ledge a little bit because you can see if a team begins to instead of averaging 3 or 4 runs, they start averaging 5 or 6 runs, then you don't have to be a perfect pitching team in order to make up for that and you're in every game that you play. So, I like that. I really hope that they go that route. You mentioned David Bell. He's going into his contract here, and the Reds actually did make two signings a day ago. They signed two guys to minor league deals with invites to spring training in Dwight, don't call me Shrew Smith Jr., and Chesler Cuthbert, which I don't have a nickname for that because that's like the coolest name ever. But I just wonder, all right, 
It's David Bell. It's his last year on his deal. He loves to tinker. He's probably going to be like David Bell on steroids this year. Does uh, the combination of Dwight Smith Jr. and Chesler Cuthbert get more starts than the combination of Mark Payton and um, Christian Colon? Because they got more starts than I thought they would. You know, I feel like Christian Cologne's starts were a product of the COVID times. Yeah. I don't know that in a regular 162-game season that would have happened. Um, but to your point, David Bell is going to tinker like nobody's business. Because, yeah, he's, he's playing for he's, – he's managing for an extension. So I feel like the question – the real question is what expectations does the ownership group – put on this team when we get to opening day. If the ownership group still feels like this is a team that should win the central, which on paper right now, it is a team that can compete to win the central. Mm -hmm. If that's the expectation, nothing short of that gets David Bell contract extension. I don't think, um, he is going to have to deliver on being a little bit better than what the expectation is. And if the expectation is that they can compete, then he has to get this team to the playoffs to get an extension. As far as I'm concerned, I think it should be that way anyway, but I wonder because it's like you said, like with the moves that they're making this off season and look, we, we are operating from the point of right after the Reds trading rice out of Glacius. If in the coming days they trade Sonny Gray, this entire conversation is moot and we are changing to, all right, the rebuild's on. But as of right now, that's not where we are. They still have a shot to make a couple moves and be a relevant team in this division. And I hope that the ownership group uh, holds them accountable as such because I feel like to this point, he has not necessarily proven that he deserves an extension. And I think that that's being fair. I don't, I don't look at him and say, well, he needs to be fired. But I also don't look and say, well, he's, it's been a job well done. Well, no, yeah, I mean, you know, being in the last year of his deal, for sure he needs to manage out this season. And then it's a matter of has he earned an extension or not. You know, you talk about trading Sonny Gray. If they trade Sonny Gray, then I want them to trade Winker. I want them to trade Suarez. I want them to trade, you know, I want them to explore options on trading Nick Senzel. I want them to unload Amir Garrett. I want them to trade Tyler Molly. I want them to move as many guys as they can so that in about two to three years, all of those new prospects that should be coming back this way hit the major leagues at the same time. And then you're at the Tampa Bay model. Yep. That's when you start to be able to talk about doing things the way that the Rays have. Uh, in the meantime, if they're not going to do that, then let's stop trading away bona fide major league talent in salary dumps and let's go out and compete and win uh, at least a division. So I, I think we've taken, uh, taken a bit of a stressful... Okay, stressful is a little heavy of a word there, but a bit of an annoying couple of moves that have put us all into bad mindsets when it comes to the Reds, and I think we've kind of walked it back a bit because I think we're okay. I think we're still going to be all right. Let's get one other thing out of the way. This is not Reds-related. This is Major League Baseball-related. Uh, we, we mentioned it a moment ago, talking about the designated hitter. 
reports are coming out that all National League teams are operating as though there will not be a designated hitter in 2021. In fact, the Padres even got the ball rolling back whenever it was team player option time, whenever they denied a team option to Mitch Moreland, who they acquired from the Red Sox at the trade deadline to be their designated hitter. So I look at that and I know the answer to this question, but I still ask why. It makes the game better. And I know that there's lots of discussions to be had about designated hitter versus pitchers hitting, whatever. That 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 argument is as moot as can be because they're not going to get rid of the designated hitter in the American League. So just make it universal. Just make it makes the game better if you do that, but it's being treated as such as a bargaining chip in this war that is coming this this cold war right now that is going to be an open war in a year between the players and the owners the owners are holding on to every little piece of ammunition that they perceive as ammunition that they can and the designated hitter is one of those bullets and i hate it and i ask why well that's 15 roster spots that's 15 major league baseball roster spots that we're talking about and what it tells me is that Rob Manfred, the the commissioner of 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 hatred of baseball, <laughs> is going to be asking for some things that he knows he's not going to get or he's not going to get very easily. And he needs as many chips as possible to try to get the players to accept what he wants them to accept. So, you know, by putting that in this year, is it make for a better product on the field? Absolutely. By putting it in this year, does it make uh, some more Major League Baseball players have a job? Absolutely. Manfred doesn't care about any of that. It's all about the bank accounts and the bottom line. And he's going to hold those back in an effort to put them into negotiations for the new collective bargaining agreement. And I really feel like the owners coming off of the quote-unquote financial hardship that they're saying that they have as a result of the shortened COVID season, uh, I really think that they're going to try to implement a salary cap. I think that's what's coming. I think that's what they're going to shoot for, and it's going to lock baseball down. I think if they only lose one season, that's being optimistic because the next CBA is probably going to be the most contentious, uh, vilified on both sides type of negotiation that we've ever seen in Major League Baseball. I I mean, I I can see them losing multiple seasons because the owners are going to be asking for things the players simply will not be willing to give. I think it's it's looming over every single thing, and I think you can kind of tell it from some of the baseball writers' perspectives on Twitter. It looms over everything that they report. Like, even if they're talking about a rumor, like they were talking, I saw rumors about James McCann going to the Angels, like who, whatever. Hey, James McCann, catcher, yeah, sure, the Angels get a catcher. But, like, you kind of get this feeling that every single writer just knows that it's waiting up here and it's coming down. It's not as if it's going to be an if, it's going to be a when. It drops. And is it something that even affects this next season? Hopefully that's something we that we have to talk about and that's all just conspiracy theory stuff they actually get this next season through. But I I really worry that 
just the idea of them holding out on the designated hitter being universal this season, even though it makes all of the sense in the world since they just had it last year, they're more than likely going to have it in the next CBA. So the very next season after the next CBA is agreed upon, we will have a universal designated hitter. So why not have it this year? It's simply because they don't want to use that bullet. They don't want to lose that bullet. And that is just so unbelievably disheartening as a fan of a sport that it feels like it's gone through a lot over my lifetime uh, as far as the perception in the public. I mean, uh, there's a huge reason why the NFL is looked at as the number one sport in America on top of the MLB and maybe even the NBA might be above Major League Baseball right now, at least as far as star recognition, they're far and above Major League Baseball. So it's like, and and that's a whole different can of worms to open for a completely different podcast, but it's just unfortunate to see because they are heading for an even further downturn with this war that is pending. Absolutely. They're going to find themselves in a position where if they don't handle this exactly right, uh, the money's going to start drying up a little bit because their their broadcast partners aren't going to tolerate a protracted shutdown coming off of everything else that's happened over the last couple of years. Uh, you know, baseball, and we saw it, they, they cut off their nose to spite their face during this COVID lockdown where they could have been the first sport back. They could have been the only, quite literally, the only game in town could have been major league baseball and and the ramifications of that were so far reaching to where you have kids undivided attention you have the ability to create a whole new generation of fans and they were so worried about the dollars and the cents that they completely ignored that and by the time that baseball came back basketball was rolling football had already announced they were going to be back and hockey was playing so baseball took an opportunity to be the monopoly of sports and pissed it away. And that just tells me where their mindset is and gives me no hope for these upcoming negotiations as far as the owners versus the players. Well, this has been a roller coaster of a podcast, Steve. I appreciate you being on. We've been down, we've been up, we've been down. And this is kind of a taste, Steve and I talking about Cincinnati sports. There is also another Cincinnati sports podcast that features yours truly as well as Mr. Offenbaker, Steve, tell them what else they can win. Well, I'll tell you, if you guys are interested in the National Football League, as we talked about just a minute ago, uh, you can follow Jeff and I talking Cincinnati Bengals football. That is uh, Hootay Weekly. You can follow that on twi- Twitter at Hootay underscore weekly. You can follow us both uh, on Twitter as well, Jeff car jeff with three f's and myself at s offenbaker uh we basically break down uh the games we talk about what's coming up uh we talk about the coaching we just kind of break it down from uh from uh a fan's perspective and from uh a couple of guys that have grown up loving cincinnati sports and just really enjoy talking about them so if you're a Bengals fan and if you're an nfl fan i do encourage you to go check that out it should be available everywhere you're getting podcasts right now if it's not and it's someplace uh, you would like it to be, shoot Jeff a message, shoot me a message. We'll try and get it there for you. And full disclosure, we've been a little bit 
uh, on a hiatus. We are back this week, though, looking at where the Bengals are, some positives about this past week's game, and looking forward to what the Bengals are going to look like moving forward, whether it be roster-wise, coaching-wise, all that good stuff. We're going to break that down on the latest Who Day Weekly. The saddest part about the Twitter handle is I can never remember where the underscore is. Like, in my mind, I think it's like who underscore day weekly, and then I'm like, no, that's not right. It's who day underscore weekly on Twitter. (laughs) I have to think about it, too, every single time. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Steve, man, I I appreciate you coming on, and uh, we'll do this again soon. All right. Thanks a lot. We'll catch you next time. That'll do it for today's installment of the Locked On Reds podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today and downloading. Make sure that you're subscribed. That way you don't miss any episodes. Also, make sure you hit up the Locked On Reds line at 513-549-0159. Coming up tomorrow on the podcast, we're going to have a mailbag episode. Get those questions in. It's going to be a Jeff's Junk Mail episode. Questions, comments, thoughts on the offseason, your reactions to what the Reds have been doing. We're going to talk about all of that and more on the Jeff's Junk Mail episode tomorrow on the podcast. You're not going to want to miss it, but now tell your smart device to play the Locked On MLB podcast, and I'll talk to all of you tomorrow. Let's go, Rex. Hey. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.